Amen. Verses of Hosea chapter 3. 
Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who looked to other gods and loved flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for fifteen pieces of silver, and for an homer of barley, and a half a homer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide from for me many days, thou shalt not play the harlot, thou shalt not go, I'm sorry, thou shalt not be for another man, so will I also be for thee. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without a teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return, and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for today, Lord, for those that are out today because of sickness. I pray that you'll give grace, healing, and help and bring them back to our fellowship. I pray, Lord, for those that are here with uh, the colds and things like that that folks are dealing with and the throat and in the sinuses. God, that you give healing and help and grace there as well. And we'll thank you. I pray and ask that you will, uh, Lord, just... Uh, help us all to get over uh, this that's going around as the weather cold one day and hot the next might have brought some of this on. Uh, but Lord, I pray that you'll just help us all uh, to be able to be faithful to the special services this coming uh, uh, weekend. And pray that you'll be with Brother Cooley and Brother uh, Shock as they travel this way and use them in a mighty way uh, during those days. And we'll thank you. I pray and ask that you would again just guide and direct, give me utterance and boldness. And Lord, May you just take the word of God and use it and, and uh, present it, Lord, to people's hearts. And we ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. I don't know really where to start. Hosea has always been a fascinating book to me. I don't know why. Maybe because of the people that I grew up with. And then as you get older and start understanding things, start understanding relationships, and uh, again, my testimony coming from a split home, you know, uh, divorced parents, and then as you get older, the accusations come from one parent to the other, or about the other parent, things like that, and uh, so on and so forth. And of course, you don't, you know, you love both parents. You don't want to believe ill, ill of the other parent, and, and one thing to another, and, but then, you know, as you get older and start understanding things you you put you put some situations that you know that you recall uh in life together and you're like hmm <laughs> and uh you know maybe um some of those things did happen that was that was reported by the one parent about the other and so on and so forth and just you know when lisa and i first got married told her, I said, divorce is not in my vocabulary. You can forget it. I said, now murder maybe, but not divorce. I said, look, I've been through too many divorces. You know, mom, mom and dad divorced, mom married again, dad married again, mom divorced again, mom married again, mom divorced again. I said, I've done had too many divorces, even though I've only been married once. <laughs> but as a child, I've been through too many divorces. And, uh, and so I was just like, nope. And, uh, and then I read this. And it just messes with my mind <laughs> a little bit. I, I've thought on Hosea often through the years. And 
how that, like we read here in chapter number three, and we'll look at chapter number one as well. God told the I mean, yeah, God told Hosea the prophet to go and take a wife of whoredoms, adulteress, an adulterous wife. But in light of that, and we see and we know according to the scriptures that it was a picture of the children of Israel running after other gods away from their God. And, uh, and then, but as, as a prophet, as a minor prophet here, we say minor prophet is in the minor prophet books here. But as a prophet here, he, it gives him more of an understanding. Not only was a picture of the whoredoms of Israel to their God in, in following after idolatry and the, and the idols of the people around them, but then, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a preacher, if you will, as a prophet, uh, it, and he, in his writings, he understands it physically. And, of course, there's a lot of debate whether this ever really happened physically to Hosea. But it gives a woman's name, and her name was Gomer. We'll see that in, in, uh, in, in chapter number one, and the children that was born unto them. Uh, so, but at the same time, it was a picture of the whoredoms and of children of Israel going away from their God to serve idols. And so, but we see here in chapter number three uh, where uh, he was told to go love a woman Beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. And he, and he, he purchased her. He bought her. And uh, there have been uh, songs written with chapter 3 in mind of Hosea in mind about being on the slave block of sin and buying and being bought. You know, and being being cast away by your lovers. <laughs> you know, getting to the place, kind of like the prodigal son, to the end of yourself. And the price of a servant was 30 pieces of silver, uh, according to Exodus chapter 31 and 32, when, a, when an ox, if, a, if your ox were to hit and maybe a, a manservant or a maidservant, you were to restore the price of the servant, which is 30 pieces of silver. She was not even worth the price of a servant. <laughs> they only purchased her with half, half, 15 pieces. You know, and then a, 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 not, and a, a homer and a half of barley. And there was so much there that could probably go back and look, but not even the price of a servant. You know, and there's times probably in our lives, if, if we want to put ourselves in Gomer's place, that we feel worthless. <laughs> not even the price of a servant. But then you get to that point where we, you know, we, where we see, and we're going to look at this, and there's so many aspects of this story that, that I can go and, and we might hit a few of them but, and get to the place there, but not even, you know, not even the price there of a, a servant. And uh, that then he tells her in verse number three that he's going to, he purchased her, and then he tells her that she's going to abide with him many days and not play the harlot. Now turn with me to chapter number one. And we'll see basically the same thing. Now, so I've read different commentaries that say basically that he had taken her in, in, in chapter 1. And children was born. And then she still went and followed after her lovers. 
It got to the point where she was abandoned by her lovers and found herself in chapter 3 to be bought back by Hosea. You can look at it that way, and that might be the way that it was. Uh, in fact, according to the way the children of Israel uh, were dealt with, that's kind of the way this was. How that they went away, and God, in his wrath, fell upon them, and then delivered them. And so, if you so basically, you could you could you could see that, and probably that is the way that it is. But then, the way that chapter number three was, according to chapter number one, it could also be, and you can look at it this way too, kind of how that Hosea went and found her in the first place. So you can kind of see that. But again, in application of the scripture, it's probably. That the Israel left, and then they suffered wrath, and then they were purchased back. They were bought back. Yeah. So chapter number 1, verse number 1, the word of the Lord came unto Hosea, the son of Beriah, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, um, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jer Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. And that's an important verse of scripture there. Whenever... The Bible and your Bible study, whenever the Bible gives what kings were present during the time. That gives you the timeline because of, of the event and gives you the timeline of, of the prophet. And, and verse number one is very important because he lists several kings there. And we see, you know, that uh, who he may, who Hosea may have been a contemporary of in the day. Because the word of God is not written chronologically. The first five books probably are. But after that, uh, there's a whole lot of books. Because Job is probably before Genesis. I mean, as far as being written. But probably fell somewhere in the time frame before the flood. According to scholars. So as you look at this, it's very important to key in on the, the kings. And just when, who was king? And, and where they are, so you can go back to Kings and Chronicles to see uh, where this falls into the time frame of the children of Israel. Verse number two, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. So he went, took Gomer, the daughter of uh, the blame which conceived and bare, key word here, him a son. Key word, that word him. Hosea took Gomer and she bared him a son. All right? That's key. Um, and the Lord said unto him, call his name Jezreel. For yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. Now this is back in Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Kings chapter number 9 and 10, and this is where kind of the, they were. They had followed after uh, Ahab was king over Israel during that time, Jezebel, Jezebel the, the daughter of a, a prophet of Baal, and how that they had raised up idols in the land under uh, Ahab. 
And then, of course, it was prophesied that Jezebel would die. And how that she would die, she would be cast down. And dogs would eat her. <laughs> and uh, that's exactly what happened. Je Jehu rode into town. And it was in Jezreel. <laughs> and uh, rode into town and said, who is on my side? Some Enix uh, uh Throwed, him, throwed her out the window, and Jehu went in and ate, and when they come out, and they said, go get her body to bury it. And they come out, and all that was left was her skull, the palms of her hands and her feet. And so there's where that coming into place. God is already telling, again, that's why verse number one is so important, to put it in to perspective of where it fell in the timeline of the children of Israel. So prophetically, God said... Naming Jezreel, which was actually a valley and a, probably a city uh, that was uh, in, in, the, in the region. And uh, so symbolically the name of Hosea's oldest son in a token of a great slaughter predicted by him. So again, and that was Jezreel was born to Hosea and Gomer. Verse number five, and it came to pass. At that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And that's at the time the kingdom was split. And in in the book of Hosea you see where Israel was going to be reunited with Judah. As you read later on in Hosea. Verse number 6. And she conceived again and bare a daughter and said unto him, Call her name Loruma, for I will no I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Now, it didn't say that she bore Loruma to Hosea. It didn't say she bare him a daughter. It just said she conceived again. So as Hosea was married to Gomer, she conceived in her whoredom because he was to take a wife of whoredom and he was to raise up children of whoredom. And so no mercy is what her name was. It means not pitied. And then, verse number, and he's talking about the children of Israel not being pitied. Again, the wrath. Look, you can be warned and warned and warned and warned. And then fail to heed the warning. And the wrath is going to come. And there will be no pity on you because you have failed to heed the warning. So as I was sitting back there and Brother Glenn said, I'm going to deal with wrath today. I said, Lord, <laughs> I kind of know maybe where the direction it was. Even though I'm in Hosea and we're looking at the children of Israel, we see the wrath that fell upon the children of Israel. And how can it be applied? Verse number 7, but I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and I will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow nor by sword nor by battle nor by, by horses nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Loruma, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, call his name Lo-Ami for ye are not my people and I will not be your God. And that's exactly what his name means, not my people. So he was not Hosea's. <laughs> it didn't say that she bore him a son. She just conceived again, again, in her whoredom. So not only has he got a wife of whoredoms, <laughs> an adulterous woman, 
then he's got children that he's raising up that are not his. You talk about, and that's, I think, as I've looked at Hosea through the years, and I know, and again, I don't, I've just picked up bits and pieces of some of your all's past, but very little. Thank the Lord, I don't know. You know, that it's not something that we just sit and talk about. Like I said, I've got family that has fallen into some very, you know, some of the, the very things that I hear. You know, I look back and I think about, you know, mom cleaning house and uh, wanting to put, and, and us, you guys would laugh at this because but you guys have been there and done that too. Some of you have. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Pulling out the big long play albums and stacking them up on the record player and that little another album and auto fed itself put the needle over and played another album I remember loading up the stereo with those long played country albums you know and I got to thinking about the music that my mama listened to and how I just glorified adultery oh my goodness you know I got to thinking about some of those songs Ruby don't take your love to town you picked a fine time to leave me loose all about adultery you know, and again, listening to them growing up, I didn't understand what those songs said until I got a little bit older and started actually listening to the lyrics. I'm like, man, that's about adultery. You know, and I, and I got to looking at, at lives of my parents, lives of other people, family members in my life. I'm like, you know, listening to the music that they listened to and, and so on and so forth and, 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 and talking about the songs that they really liked. And then I'm like, do you know what the message of that song is? And I just glorifying sin. And then, uh, you know, and then the people's attitude about window shopping. As long as, you know, I can be married and I can window shop as long as I don't buy nothing. And that, that kind of attitude in people's lives. And I'm like, that's wicked. got to give this man a lot of grace <laughs> a whole lot of grace to have an adulterous wife and to raise up children that are not his and he knows that are not his that's a lot of grace I've often in contemplation of Hosea often thought I don't know that I could do that <laughs> But, again, he told Hosea to do it. And he, got, he had to give him the grace to do it. And it would take a lot of grace. And I look at people's lives, and I know some people that are just fighting these kinds of battles in their lives. And I'm like, no, I don't see how you can do it. I don't understand. Because it's just not something that I, you know, was geared toward at an early age. I didn't want to go that way, and hope, hopefully it never went that way in my life, in my marriage. But I know some people that this has happened. And people that just in and out and up and down. And the, and the kids that's born into that. It's just pulls on your heart. Amen. It really does. 
But again, well, let me just read it. So she weaned him and buried not my son, or not my people. That's what his name meant. Then said God, call his name Loami, for this, uh, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall it be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. You're talking about some grace. He knows that he's going to bring Israel back. That Israel will turn back again. Of course, there had to be some wrath. There had to be some people that died. Ahab had to die. Jezebel had to die. A few other people, kings that had to die that had taken the children of Israel astray. Had to be removed. And then, though we said, Israel are not my people because of your whoredoms, because that you have gone away into idols, we're going to turn it back around and you shall be called the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head. So again, the divided kingdom will be put back together. And they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. There's chapter 1. Chapter 2. Say unto me, your, say ye unto your brethren, Ami. Now wait a minute. That prefix lo meant not. Not my children. But this one says Ami. So you are the children of God. And unto your sisters, Ru, Ruama. The low is taken off. So not only have you been now named as my people, I, and, I, and where the other one was says not pitied, I have pitied you. I have showed mercy unto you. <laughs> See, there's so many pictures here. Just like blind Bartimaeus in that song. So many pictures here. We can see ourselves as Gomer. <laughs> we can see ourselves running to the world. Running to idols. Not serving God. And, and, and just let me grab this one real quick. Chapter number 4. For those of you who got a King James. I mean a Schofield Bible. It's right there on the third, fourth column there. Uh, chapter 4 verse number 6. My people... And again, just touched on what Brother Glenn said, and this is where Americans are today, and sadly, well, all our church members are that way. Yes. My people are destroyed. For what? For lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be no more priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so that uh, so they sinned against me. Therefore, will I change their glory into shame? They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom, and they shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine. A new wine take away the heart. So, lack of knowledge. And that is where America is today. Amen. They're cut off. And they're going to be, I mean, they're going to suffer some wrath. Because, like he said in his day, and I remember in my day, you know, people talking about Revelation. People talking about the Mark of the Beast. Now, like I said, 
And he pointed out that, that I've seen that movie. And there have been movies on, you know, put out about the Antichrist. And, you know, for entertainment purposes, <laughs> television series about the Antichrist for entertainment purposes. And I believe that's a tool of the devil to take our minds off the fact it is truth from the word of God. It is going to happen one of these days. The wrath of God will take place on this world. And, I, 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 and, and just in, in making application, I mean, you see the world today and missionaries that's in the Ukraine that's come back and missionaries that I know that's in the Ukraine that's still there with the contemplation of coming back. They're weighing, weighing the current situation there and and then, you know, most, most people don't even consider the Ukraine. That's over in the Ukraine. What is it, how does that affect me? Well, how did, how did the, um, uh, oh, was it, was it the prime minister? Anyway, I can't remember the, his position, but they're in, uh, I just about had the country. In World War I, it got assassinated. Him and his wife got assassinated in a carriage, and it led them into World War One, the World War. But it started off over there, and then the same thing in World War Two started off with just a little here, a little there, one country taken by another country. You know your history, and the implications of what could happen with between Russia and Ukraine. How big, how easy that that could grow, and how that that might affect us in the middle of. something new that and, and it speaks of the seriousness that's over there it's, it's, it's one thing to hear about from people on the ground versus people you know for the news media what they want you to hear the people on the ground are saying that the, the country of Ukraine for the first time has got it to where that women can be conscripted into the, the military to fight their battle so they could draft their own women that they're fighting against. They wanted to put that in our last defense bill here in the United States, that they had to be, that our women, 18 years old, would have to sign up for selective service. They got out of that particular bill this year, but there are still people up there in the powers that be that want to put it in there. You think of little Kylie there. You think of Millie there. When they turned 18, having to sign up for selective service so that if destroyed by lack of knowledge people don't know the word of God anymore people don't know revelation anymore people don't know what God has given us in the word of God about our future and the future of the world and their future as a lost person people don't hear it something good is going to happen to you there <laughs> and that's what they hear in most churches today just come on down, sing Kumbaya, 
go, you know, leave feeling good. We'll see you next week so we can come in and make you feel good again. Help you take up your money and help you fight your depression. And I'm not discounting depression. I'm not. But at the same time, having something to stand on, having that sure foundation, and having something we can put our faith in over our fears will help with a lot of that depression. I know there's some that's chemically whatever in our bodies. I get that. I'm not discounting that. But there's sometimes we just take upon ourselves fear that we don't need to take upon ourselves. Again, exercising that faith. Like Brother Matthew. He could have got on his scooter. He could have feared going through all those districts. Oh, they're going to get me. And I imagine he was concerned about it, but he still yet got on his motorbike and trusted God to go. And God opened up all the doors going. God opened all the doors coming back. And he was able to get his wife and girls out of this, out of this country. And then the same thing when he got his, went all the way through <laughs> and all the way back. That's faith. People having to face things like that daily in this world. People that you know and that I know. And people that we support. I've, I know brother, I've heard brother Glenn pray and we're praying for brother, um, brother Lewis. And we're going to read his prayer letter tonight. But I mean, talk about witch doctors. You know, that, 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 they, that they deal with in Papua New Guinea. And some of the things that they deal with that we would never see here in the United States of America. They deal with it in Papua New Guinea. People that you know, people that I know. I love Brother Lewis. I love his family. But some of the things, we read about some of the things that they deal with, we're like, wow. But then our prayers and how all that goes. How it goes. So, my people are destroyed. So we are, they, he turns around, plead with your mother, plead for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let therefore, let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy upon her children for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot, that she conceived them, hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers, I, uh, that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up the way with thorns. There's that verse of mine. <laughs> and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. She shall, uh, then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then it was better than, or better with me than now. And that, again, an application of what this is all about. Israel. Israel seen that they were not prospering serving idols. They were not prospering. I mean, again, think about it. You had Jehu, but then you had, this was back in Elisha's day. I mean, Elijah's day, same time frame. You had Elijah and you had Hosea. And Hosea was talking about this was prior to this because he, 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 he prophesied this about Jezreel and about Jehu. 
and what was going to happen. And, you know, there had to be some things taken out before the children of Israel returned. In, in Elijah's day, I mean, all those prophets of Baal, they had to die. There was a famine in the land. They was not prospering. There was a drought in the land. They were not prospering because they were serving idols. And it wasn't until they cried out. They were, you know, and then God sent Elijah. And, of course, there were some other prophets there too. But God sent Elijah, and he delivered them. And, and Elijah had, had some questions for him. Why ain't it fair? We're over here in Judah and you're in Israel. <laughs> we're over here in Judah. We're, we're following some kings that are serving God. Oh, yes. And you're over here in Israel serving these kings that are, are, are serving the idols. And, and drought and famines in your land and you wonder why your neighbors, why your friends, why your relatives are prospering over here. It's because... This is again, who you following? Are you serving the flesh? Every chance you get? Oh, I'll go to the church. Well, sure, oh, great, wonderful. I'm glad you're here. But what are you doing out there Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday? How are you living out there? Are you serving idols out there? And you can't figure why you just can't never get ahead? Why you can't ever make the ends meet? Why there's too much month at the end of your money? <laughs> and you're not prospering? You, you, and I'm not preaching a health and welfare gospel, but I'm just telling you, I have a God and serve a God that takes care of me, his child. Yeah. I have the God and serve the God of Matthew chapter 6. But I know I didn't buy it. <laughs> and if I did, if I bought this suit, look at me. If I bought this suit, it was probably down at the secondhand store. And it was one of those deals. I walked in, I looked at the tag, and it was there, and it was a whole lot cheaper than when I bought it down at the men's warehouse. But lots of suits that I don't have. My clothes, he clothes the lilies of the field. He's going to clothe me, his child. He feeds the fowl of the air. He's going to feed me his child. And that's the God I serve. But if I should turn tomorrow, then my way would not be prospered. He has a way to, <laughs> to, to hem you up and to get, get you some thorns and, and to make it to where, where I was running for my, my flax and my wine and my whatever my bread, my water, running after those things that I'm not going to be able to find them anymore. Again, going back to the same time that this was written, the, 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 the famine, I'm sorry, the drought that come up on the land, it dried up the brook that Elijah was down next to. 
He commanded the, the widow to sustain Elijah during that time. They had the oil and the, and the, the meal. And, and that, that did not fail until it began to rain again in Israel. So you're not going to prosper. You just expect, you know, because you come down to church, you tip, tip him with your presence one day a week, one service a week, that you're going to prosper out there. You're going to find good out there. Again, what's getting in your way of serving God? Like the idols were here in Hosea's day. Therefore, I will, be, I will have see verse number 7 again. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then it was better with me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof, and I will recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of mine hand. I will also cause her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. Again, it's, it's written as a woman, but it's applied to Israel. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, whereof she has said, These are my rewards that my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them, and I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, where she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers, and forget me, saith the Lord. I'm going to take it all away. I'm going to remind her where her blessings come from. He's talking about Israel, but he's talking in, in, the, in, the, in the sense of, of Gomer and Hosea. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. Now, I like this part. Again, if it's, if it's Hosea and Gomer, you're talking about a lot of grace. Oh, my. Therefore I will allure her and bring her unto the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her vineyards from thence in the valley of Achor for the door of hope. And she shall, sing, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And there's a lot to be said in that verse. And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, Thou shalt call me Ishai, and shalt call me no more Balai. I want to stop right there. Ishai means husband. Says, look, I'm, I'm going to speak comfortably, and it's the goodness of God that leadeth me into repentance, the Bible tells us. It's the goodness of God that leads me to repentance. Just speaking comfortably. I mean, he did, didn't just drop a hammer. He gave them a chance. <laughs> He gave them an opportunity to repent. He gave them an opportunity, a space of grace. And he reached out to, to the children of Israel. Homer reached out to, I mean, Hosea reached out to Gomer and said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to speak comfortably. I'm going to try to woo her back unto
unto me. I'm not going to go out with a whip, even though Gomer probably needed a whip. <laughs> even though the children of Israel needed a whip. I'm going to go out in love and compassion. I'm going to woo her back into me. I'm going to show her the goodness at my hands to hopefully bring her back into me. I've, I've hedged her about. I've stripped her. She has nothing in this famine. She has nothing in this, in this drought. But I'm going to send rain. And when I send rain again, then the crops will start growing. And they'll realize that serving Baal didn't get her places, but serving me will get you the blessings that I give. says, thou shalt, know, uh, thou shalt call me Ishai, husband. And I got to looking at that. Oh, let's wait and get the other. And shalt no longer call me, and shall call me no more Balai, which means Lord. You know, in our relationship with God, we, and there's, there's where so many people that don't know any better, I guess, or maybe just the way that it's been presented to them by their preacher, by the preacher that they've sat under. You know, and there's so many religions that's this way that they preach, you know, this, this. And he is a God of wrath. I'm not discounting, but he is a God of love too. Yeah. And there, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mixture. We've seen both of them there. He said the same, the same, like we heard in Sunday school, the same uh, Bible has got John 3.16 in it. It's got the wrath of God in it as well. And, and so many times God is presented to the listener from the teacher and from the preacher as Bala, Lord, which gives the connotation of uh, a master, a per person possessing supreme power and authority, a ruler, a governor, a master. And yes, well, and in in First Peter chapter number three, <clears throat> talking about the women, likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, and that subjection is. A lordship. What? Wait a minute. But I'm getting to the men here in a minute. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day, right? Be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not the word, they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of the hair, and wearing of gold and putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. Of great price. For after this manner, in, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, key words there, Adorn themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. What? 
Lord, a master, a person possessing supreme power and authority, a ruler, a governor, Sarah called Abraham Lord. I ain't never going to call no man Lord. I'm my own woman. <laughs> called him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do dwell in... Uh, do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, she called him Lord. She called him Lord out of respect because of his authority in her life. She called him Lord, not that she was like, you know, a slave to him. However, here in the book of Hosea, that's kind of the connotation of Bashai is Lord and being a slave to the master. And that is exactly when we are not serving God then, then as we ought, then that's the way that he appears to us. As the supreme, as the taskmaster, as the one that has got us, you know, that is trying to control us. And he said, I don't want that relationship with us. I don't want you to call me Bashai anymore, Lord. I want you to call me uh, Ishai, husband. Whoa, husband. That gives a whole other aspect. And we see this in 1 Peter 2, but we see it here. I want you to call me husband instead of Lord. Ishai instead of Bali. And what that is, husband, and you think of, and a husband is the, the title of a, of a man in the a man. In the relationship of a married couple. But husband is also, throughout the word of God, also, and, and one that we don't necessarily use here a whole lot in the United States, the husband is a farmer and a husbandman. A husband, you husband the ground, which gives a farmer, a cultivator, a tiller of the ground. It's not used much in America. But you think of the word husband and what they do to the ground in the cultivating and the caring for it. They, they're looking for a crop. They have a desire to see it produce fruit. <laughs> and that's what Israel, that's what God wanted Israel to do in, that, in their relationship. No more Lord but a husband. See that I am trying to cultivate you in, your, in our relationship. I'm trying to lift you up. I care for you. I spend time with you. I spend time with the ground. I spend time watering the seeds. I spend time to keep the the the, the weeds out of the from choking you out. I spend you know in the, in hoeing. I spend time you know with you in that way. You say, well, I'm I'm growing right along, but there's this weed getting ready to choke you out. Yo, you're coming at me with a blade. I'm coming at you with a blade as a husband for your own good. There's some things in your life that I need to cut out that's getting ready to, 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 get, to take you over. And we look at the blade of the hole coming our way and we're like, oh no. But we don't realize he wants us to grow. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be, uh, to be fruitful. There we go. And, and, and we know that if we can keep the weeds out of our life and we can keep those things out of our life that are not pleasing unto him, 
that we grow up a, a good, healthy plant with a lot of fruit. But if we let the things of this world choke us out, we just, you know, grab a hold. Oh, just my grandmother. We lived in the city. We lived in a town, kind of, kind of like the neighborhood I've lived in up there where Sarah's house is. That we had a little bit, little bit more space in some houses, but we all had backyards, and a lot, several people in the backyards grew a garden. And Mrs. Ark, Mr. and Mrs. Ark was our next door neighbors, and so they would either call Shorty or Nana would call Shorty, and Shorty, I think I want to say. He would come out with his tractor and his plow, and he'd plow up both gardens at the same time. So whenever Shorty come up, was called the one, he was went in and took care of the other. And then he'd go and he'd give it a couple of days, and he'd come back and you see him pull up with his disc, and he'd disc it. And of course, we had our tillers, and we'd just go ahead and till it on down. But um, so we put out a garden every year, and you know, summers and school's out. You know how it is. School's out. <laughs> I don't have to get up and go to school, so, you know, I'm seven, eight, nine years old. Sometimes during those times of my life, I was up early. Other times, I would sleep <laughs> in a little while. It's summertime. I can do that, right? I'm a carefree kid. But I get up, and I start looking through the house where Nana was. Nana's not in the kitchen. She's not in the living room. She's not, where's Nana at? And I look out the back window. Nana's out there in the garden early. Hoeing before it got too hot. And we always had a pretty garden. Always had a lot of fruit out of the garden. So she's out there tending the garden. But one year, some of her nieces and nephews that all wound up in Southern California decided they're going to pay for Aunt Alvie <laughs> A ticket to come to California. So, sure enough, we put Nana on the plane, which was mind-blowing, and uh, put her on a plane and sent her to Southern California from East Tennessee. While she was gone, it was up to me and my brother <coughs> to tend the garden. Right. You know, by that sleeping in, that's what we did. So... But right before she come back, we just took the push mower and mowed <laughs> down between the rows. But that still didn't help what was around all the, the stalks of all the plants that was out there. We just knocked down the grass. We didn't, we didn't hoe it. So needless to say, that summer, the fruit that come out of the garden was not plentiful. Because we didn't do what we were supposed to be doing in tending the garden husband and let's just go ahead and hit that lick right here real quick likewise ye husbands verse number seven of first peter chapter three uh, and he says look wives be in subjection realizing you know that in your obedience and in your that he said call him lord as sarah did not not that he is a like a slave master it's just that respect comes your way but then also in the same in the same light, having that husband relationship, not just as Lord and the fact that I am to be in subjection to him, but as a husband that he 
he governs the home. Now we're he says, likewise, he husbands. We're going to hit the husbands a minute again. He governs the home, and he looks at governing the home as a cultivation of the home. As a cultivation of the wife, as a cultivation of the children, so that they would be fruitful and have a fruitful home. So likewise, ye husbands, dwell <laughs> with them, talk about your wives, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. I have it in one of my other Bibles. There's a little, I just cut it out and put some paper with the laminated. It says the philosopher, somebody, you know, quoted, uh, and Adam knew his wife and she conceived. K-N-E-W. And that's the way it put it that in the word, the word of God. We see that throughout the word of God. And he says, and, and then the philosopher, the philosopher said, there we go, philosopher, there we go, said that it is a shame that that is the only knowledge that some men ever learn about their wives. And I, I took that, I laminated it, I stuck it right here in 1 Peter chapter number 3. And so it's in my other Bible right here because we are to dwell with them according to knowledge. And it's not just that kind of knowledge. We're to learn what makes them happy. We're to learn what makes them sad. We're to learn what makes them tick. And sometimes I know when still, I'm still learning. <laughs> but we're to dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the, unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And that's the way God see, wanted Israel to see him, not as... And not just as, you know, this supreme being that created us. And so we see him as our creator. We see him as the giver of life. And we see him as all these things. But he said, look, there's more in our relationship that you can have. We kind of touched on this a few weeks ago. We can have a husband-wife relationship. He's talking to Israel, but then we can make application here. Look, we go to Song of Solomon. It was the same deal. I know the lady's been going through Song of Solomon. You can have this. There's a, there, there, it, it's realizing what a husband does. A husband cultivates. And husbands, we realize, we need to realize that a husband takes the time and dwells with them and cares for them and gets up early and stays up late yes. and, and looks to cultivating your home. And, and he's telling Israel here in Hosea, I want that with you. Make application or the way it's written, Homer. Uh, Homer, I keep saying that. Hosea is telling Gomer, I want that with you. Not that I just bought you off the slave block in chapter number three. Not that I just paid a price and, and brought you into me to be your master, to be your Lord. I want you to see, and I'm trying to speak softly to you, and I'm trying to look, show you that I have provisions in my home. I'm wanting, you, I'm wanting that relationship. Of course, somewhere along the way, she apparently seen that because she said that she would return to her first husband. She realized that running after the world 
and running after all those idols and running after all those things in her life was not getting her anywhere. She looked to the relationship she had with God. And if anything lost person in here today, you can have so much more. You don't have to live in that famine land, the, the land of famine. You don't have to eat of the husk of the swine. You don't have to live down there in the hog pen. You can have so much more in the father's house. You can have so much more in your husband's house. But so many times, well, they're just gonna nobody's gonna nobody's gonna rule over me, not even God. And that's your that you might not say that, you might not like openly think that, but that's exactly what you're saying yeah. by your actions. Your action says nobody's gonna lord themselves over me. Right? He says, you can suffer famine. But if you come over here, and he speaks. He speaks to you week after week after week. Sunday school, preaching. You can, you can have so much in God. That's that speaking comfort belief. And the Holy Spirit says, the preacher's telling me that. The Holy Spirit's drawing you. The Holy Spirit's wooing you. He says, come to me, all ye that labor. And are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. There's the relationship God wants to have with his people. That's the relationship God wants to have with sinners. But you've got to do what they did in John the Baptist's day. He heard this woman. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. And his shed blood. He paid the price. Hosea paid the price in chapter number 3. Christ paid the price. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Let everyone, uh, let, uh, or every sin that man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your, own, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which have which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He's talking to the church there. So obviously, the Corinthian church didn't have the right kind of relationship with God, and Paul had to address that in his day. So the, like I said, this, this text and these thoughts can be applied to the lost that are that are following after idols, following after King Ahab and Jezebel, following after the, the priests of Baal and, and false gods, and living in drought and famine. Or it can be applied to the church who has a relationship as a Lord in their lives. But God is saying, look, there's so much more that you can have with me. I can be your husband. If you'll just recognize that, I'm trying to cultivate. You say, Lord, this is awful hard in my life. Yes, but I'm trying to cultivate it. 
I'm trying to raise up something in you. I'm trying to produce a fruit in you. Sometimes it's not always pleasant. And some wives, sometimes it's not always pleasant when the husband has to make certain decisions in the household. But if he's following God, yeah. he's praying for wisdom, yeah. it'll follow. Submit. All right, let's see where we at. Balaam and uh, let's see here. Okay, for I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth, and they shall be no more remembered by their name. And in that day will I make a covenant for them with the beast of of the field, and with the fowls of heaven, and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth. And will make them to lie down safely. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness. Ooh, I'm just telling you, righteousness and judgment and loving kindness and mercies and faithfulness. And thou shalt know the Lord. And again, that knowledge of the Lord should be as a husband should be as a little closer relationship than as a master, than as a Lord. And there's so much that. And it shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith the Lord, and I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth. And the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say unto them which are not my people, Lo, Ami, thou art my people, Ami, and they shall say, Thou art my God. So, it was kind of scattered. It was kind of all over the place. I thought it was a little different whenever I was reading it. But the bottom line is, I guess we can look at it and just ask the question or encourage you all to examine our relationship with the Father, with God. Is he your Lord and Savior? That's first and foremost. Is he your Lord and Savior? Or is he just your creator? All of us have a relationship with God as a creator. We are his created beings. And that's it. And most people in this whole world, all the people that's on that broad way of destruction, is a creation of God. But they don't know him as their savior. They're, pat, they're not on the straight and narrow way. They're still on that broad way of destruction. So the question is, do you have a relationship with God as your savior? And then if you do, child of God, is he just simply your Savior, your Lord? Is you, do you look at him with, a, I've got to, you know, I, do you look at him with the attitude of I've got to follow this rule and this rule and this rule and this rule or he's going to squash me? And that's where a lot of people look at the way that they look at God and, and, and yeah, he, you know, I'm, I'm a sinner and he's my Savior and I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die, but there's so much more going back to, Kind of the way that Brother Chris has been teaching along the lines here lately and down at Fifth Sunday as well. There's the promised land. 
Salvation came to them tip top uh, in typology at the Red Sea. Beyond the wilderness is the promised land. There's the milk and honey. And then we could go back to Gad, like that fifth Sunday. Those that stayed in the wilderness, I don't want the blessing of God in my life. I'm happy to be a child of God in one of the tribes and half tribes, but I'm going to stay here in the wilderness. I don't want the milk and honey in my life. Why? Why be a wilderness Christian when there's so much more? Why look at him only as your Lord and not look at him as your husband? It should give us a desire in our hearts to, to seek a closer relationship. Especially, I mean, if the ladies are going through Song of Solomon, I mean, you guys can come out of that. I want that in my relationship with God. I want that in my relationship with my husband, my spouse. I want that kind of relationship. And men, we can have that kind of relationship as men. I know it's hard for us to, to kind of picture us being in the wife's in the wife's stead, in the bride's stead, but we should be able to understand in the husband's stead where he's coming from. Hopefully we will. And that's why I'm going to be today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, I hope I said something that would trigger our hearts to seek a, to have a desire to seek a closer walk with you, Lord. Not just look to you as, as our Lord and Savior, but Lord, to look to you as a husband, Lord, and the deeper relationship that we can have with thee. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us, Lord, to have a desire to cross on over Jordan, to live a fruitful life in the promised land. Lord, help our lives, Lord, also to be fruitful and to allow you to do a work and to husband our lives and take out the weeds and to sow and to reap in our lives all that you would want to make us fruitful, that will be pleasing unto thee. Pray and ask that you be with those that are lost today, that you would help them to come to Christ. Lord, help them to, 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 to know that they can have a relationship as a Savior and also for the same of God. Help us, Lord, to have a closer walk with thee. Again, we pray that you'll touch those of sickness and affliction and not with us, that you'll return them to our fellowship at the next appointed time. We pray and ask your blessing in the invitation time. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen, amen. Brother Stephen, let's stand and come. If the Lord's spoken to you, I'll be so open.